Hey, good morning, church. So glad you're here together, or uh, we're here together uh, as we worship, we learn. Uh, excited about this series we're in. Anybody else loving the series that we're in right now? Yeah, yeah. So if you missed any weeks, or maybe you're, you're new uh, today um, and visiting, we're in an eight-week series where we're looking at different names and titles given to Jesus. And our hope is that as we do this, we'll just encounter who Jesus is in a deeper way, what he came to represent and to do here on earth and what it means for us to accept him into our own lives. And so there's kind of this guiding uh, mission for us through this series that as we encounter each of these names, dig deep into them, that we would know him better, that we would experience him deeper and that we would accept him more fully in our lives in the ways that he has revealed himself to us and to this world. And so I am really excited for us this morning as we look at what it means for Jesus to be our great high priest. Jesus, our great high priest. That's the name we're gonna focus on this morning. And so if you brought a Bible or if you're following along in the notes, we get that name, that title for Jesus out of Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16. Let me read it for us this morning as we start. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who, was, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for your word, the truth and the power that it gives us. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that brings us to that truth, that reminds us of who you are and how we can know you more. Lord, today, as we look at what it means for Jesus to be our great high priest, may we be filled with awe and wonder and gratitude of who he is and how we can experience and accept him more fully in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, as we planned this sermon series a few weeks ago, the pastors, we, we got together and we were praying and talking about the different names to pick because there's so many that we could have. Uh, Pastor Matt put this name of Jesus out there and there was one name that I did not want to preach on. <laughs> I, I walked away, I didn't verbally tell Matt or Mark, but I walked away from our meeting thinking, you know what, that one's just... It's a little much, you know, I'm a little intimidated, a little hesitant, because as, as I thought about the high priest, it's like, man, a lot of that imagery is wrapped into the Old Testament, wrapped up in the sacrificial system. And to be honest, as a modern person reading a lot of that, sometimes it gets a little confusing, a little daunting, uh, a little challenging to maybe even uh, express clearly. And so I thought, man, I'm going to pass on that. And then God reminded me of the purpose of this whole series, that I would know him more, experience him deeper, and accept him more fully. And that whole week, it was just a knock on God's heart of, hey, come get to know me as your high priest. Come get to know me and experience me and accept me in this way. So here I am. And here we are. 
here we are. We're going to look at what it means for Jesus to be our great high priest. And let me just uh, say this from the get-go. We will just barely scratch the surface of the imagery and all the purposes and the themes behind this. But in your bulletin, I, I provided some other scriptures to maybe read. Uh, if you've got a study Bible or commentary, uh, the Bible Project has incredible resources, both videos and some podcasts to do a deeper dive into it. But today we're just going to scratch the surface of it. But I think it's going to encourage you and really challenge you as well. And so as we look at each of these names, we know that Jesus fulfills them all completely. But most of them are rooted back in the Old Testament. The beginning two-thirds of the Bible really lays the foundation and points us to who Jesus is, what he will fulfill, and what it's going to mean for each of our lives. And so it's no different here with the, the, him being our great high priest. And I mentioned we're just going to scratch the surface, but if there's one theme I'd like us to think about as we go through this today. It's to see the heartbeat of God in a couple ways. To see God through Jesus being our great high priest, his relentless desire to dwell with his people. And his relentless desire for us to have access to who he is, both here on earth and in heaven. That's the theme really behind what we're going to explore today. And so as we think about the high priest, again, I, I mentioned it's rooted a lot in the Old Testament. And if you were to flip back specifically to Exodus, that's where we get kind of the beginning images of what the priest is, what the priest is supposed to do. You know, last week, Nick uh, taught on the lamb of the Passover lamb. Wasn't that good? Man, that was such a good, such a good sermon. I love when our other pastors and teachers teach because it blesses me so much. Uh, but Nick talked about the Passover lamb. It came at the end of the Exodus where God's people were enslaved in Egypt, cried out for help, and God set them free. Through miraculous plagues and signs, he set them free from that oppression and he, he led them out into the wilderness. And so if you read in Exodus 19, God invites this people the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel as they're described, he invites them to meet him at Mount Sinai. And as they meet him there, he gives an invitation for them to join in this special relationship, much like a marriage covenant back then, to join his heart, his mission for the world, and to receive his blessing and his purpose into their life. He's renewing the promise he gave their forefather, Abraham. But he, he says it in this way. In, in Exodus 9, or 19, verse 5 and 6, just listen to what he says. He says, if you will obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See, God has set this people apart, the people of Israel. He has set them apart for his purpose, which we know is to bless the whole world, to redeem the whole world, to set the whole world free of sin. And he invites them, hey, come into the relationship with me. Let me be your God and you be my people. Carry my name, my purpose into this world so we can, we can fulfill this mission 
together. The people agree to it. And so there's this excitement that they are going to be the, the image bearer in a, a, in a sense of who God is. And God sets one person apart. Though he speaks as the whole nation is a kingdom of priests, kind of a representative of who he is to the world. He says, let me have Aaron as my high priest, Moses's brother. Aaron is going to carry this mantle, this, this specific role to intercede for the people and in fact, for all of the world, through the rituals and the sacrifices that I am going to set up. And so we get to meet this first high priest. His name is Aaron. And God gives him specific instructions of what he's to do, how he's to live, how he's to mediate or intercede for the needs of this nation and ultimately for the needs of this world. In the work that Aaron is going to do, God gives also specific instruction. It's going to be in a tent or a tabernacle, this place of meeting where God is actually going to come from heaven to these people and dwell among them. We got an artist's rendering of this image, and I want you to just think about this nomadic group of people who knows that they have a God who wants to be in relationship with them, and God says, I will set up my tabernacle among the tribes, among the people. And so this isn't just a distant God who's setting forth some practice for me to try to reach to him, but this is a holy God coming close to his people, reminding them that he is for them. He is with them. He has great purpose for their life, choosing to dwell with them. That's such a key foundation for our faith. What sets us apart from every other tradition, our God came to us. He came to us here. Ultimately, he's gonna come to us in the person of Jesus as well. And so these people, they know that, hey, there's this thing in our life, you know, sin that earlier in the Bible, it says it creates this barrier between us and God, but God is starting to overcome that by choosing to dwell in their midst in this temple. There's even a specific room in the middle of that temple that God says, that's gonna be like the holy of holies, the ho most holy place in my presence will be there with you. And so the priest then, he's supposed to take care of the, the tabernacle and he's supposed to offer these sacrifices that God is going to prescribe in order that people could be forgiven of their sins and come into the presence of God, have access to God. And so if we're going to understand the priest and then our great high priest, I think there's three quick things that we can draw to mind. Number one, if you're following along, that this priest represents the image of God. This priest represents the image of God. This high priest in particular, through his clothing, through his role and his function, this is who God wants them to see as his key representative. Now that might all sound familiar, right? If you think back to the, the Genesis narrative, when, when we talk about the creation of the world, God says something like that about all of us, right? In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, he said, let us create mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
There's a reason why every human life has divine purpose and worth. It's because everyone is created in the image of God. But here in the Old Testament, there's this recognition that, you know what, we step away from that identity often. You know, we follow our own selfish desires and behaviors. We don't rule for and care over this world like God tells us to. And so there's this separation from this identity. And the, great pre, or the high priest is kind of a reminder of who God wants us to be like, how we can walk in that image. And so this priest, as he walked around the people, man, it would bring a sense of awe and wonder. God's presence is there in the middle of their camp, but we also have a priest walking among us. I asked one of my good friends, part of my men's group, Greg Hall, if he would help me this morning. Greg, would you mind coming out? Yeah, you give him a hand, yeah. So I want you just to have a little bit of a visual uh, of what this means. I told Greg there's no, there's no speaking lines and I'm not gonna have him kill anything on stage. And so he can just relax. But the priest, he wore specific you know, garments. Uh, a couple just to point out, he, he had this breastplate with 12 different jewels or stones held close to his heart. Those 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, the people of God that the image of God, they were close to God's heart. And when he would go into the presence of God, he would carry the people with him, symbolically representing them before a holy God. The head garment, the turban, he would carry with him the sins or the guilt of the people. And when he brought those on or into the holy place, God would purify and forgive those sins and the guilt. Makes me think of the crown of thorns that Jesus bore for us. So this priest, he, he was very much an image of God, a reminder of God is with us and for us. But number two, he was also a representative of man. He was a representative of man to God. He was very much human, in need of God's grace and forgiveness just as much as the people. In fact, in Hebrews 5, 1 to 4, it says this about the high priest. It says, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to intercede, to mediate, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when, God, uh, when called by God, just as Aaron was. From Aaron on, the high priest of the people, it was supposed to be a man that would represent the people called by God for this noble, even holy role. The high priest then, he represented God as the image of God. He represented people. And third, his primary role was to intercede. He was the intercessor for humanity. He was the intercessor for humanity, if you're following along. The sacrifices, the ritual, everything he did to care for the tabernacle where God's presence was, it, he was seen as that mediator, that intercessor, doing work for the people so that they could come into God's presence. This was his primary goal. And there was one day in particular that God set out. You can read about it in Leviticus 16, the day of atonement. 
that this priest would offer a sacrifice that would atone for, cover over, take the place of the sins of all the people. And this priest would handle that sacrifice and carry the blood from that sacrifice into God's presence in the holy place. And it says that it, it was through that lifeblood that the priest would carry in that we all, or they all would collectively have representation to God for the forgiveness of their sins and access to God's presence. But it was one day a year where this priest, this high priest could walk in to the presence of God. Now I want you to think about that. I got an image of the altar in front of the tabernacle. There's a, a life-size replica in Israel of the tabernacle, this tent of meeting. Uh, in the, Think about this priest standing in front of the altar. The people gathered and assembled like this, knowing that sin in our life, our own selfishness and pride has created a barrier between us and God. But seeing the priest as God himself in some ways, dealing with the cost of our sin, the cost of forgiveness, that it was going to take a sacrifice, a death, and it was the high priest, the image of God, who got messy with that, dealt with death, and then took it into the presence of God so that there could be life. Hmm. You seeing Jesus yet? <laughs> he was the one that bore the cost, our selfishness, the sin, and gave us access to life. Man, that's so cool, I think. So many awesome images. And so if there's nothing else you walk away from this morning, just think about that image, that it is the high priest and eventually Jesus, the great high priest, that shows us the cost of our sin, but deals with it personally and gives us access to life through his own blood. Right. Can you give Greg a hand for helping me out? Thank you. So again, you know, we're... we're we're living quite, quite a bit removed from this system. And some of these concepts might be a little challenging. I just encourage you to dive into a little bit more study this week so you can even grasp a little bit more of it. But as I was thinking, hey, this sacrificial system was set up. Why, why, isn't, why isn't it still here? But if you look and you follow this system, the role of the high priest throughout Scripture, you see that it's just a foreshadowing of something that's to come. In fact, in Hebrews 8, 5, it says it's a shadow of what occurred in Christ's life and what occurs daily in heaven, what Jesus does for us as our, our great high priest. And if you follow the storyline of the priest, especially the high priest, you see how sin so easily entangles the people given this great responsibility, how they use selfishness and pride to distort it and gain benefit for themselves. And so there is a growing theme throughout the Bible for a savior a high priest, a Messiah, all these images start getting woven together that there'll be a high priest come from God himself that will have a royal authority, a kingship that he is going to bring and he's going to represent the people once and for all as the true high priest, the great high priest. There's this growing narrative and even that he wouldn't sacrifice an animal but would even offer his own life and blood as the sacrifice for our sins and failures. 
Isaiah, he picks up on this theme, and in Isaiah 53, verse 5, he says this about that person, that royal priest, that high priest. He says, he will be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our inequities, our sins. The punishment that brought us peace would be upon him, and by his wounds we will be healed. And so what does it mean for Jesus to fulfill this, to be our great high priest? Well, let's look at just those, those, those things that we got to know about this high priest. If Jesus is our, our royal priest, our high priest, how does he represent the image of God? Well, he's not just a representation of it, right? He is God himself. The word was God. It was with God. The word became flesh. Jesus, the son of God, stepped into our existence, bearing the full nature of God. Okay, was Jesus man? How, would, how did he represent us? before God. Well, Jesus, though he was fully God, was fully man. He was born physically of a virgin, Mary. He experienced life in everything that we go through. He, he experienced temptation, but he was without sin. That one thing that separates us from the presence of God, Jesus never touched. And so even while he was here in human form, he had constant access to the hot spot of God's presence, the holy place of God. Jesus, how did he serve as the intercessor for humanity? What work did he do to be our mediator, to represent us to God, to do something on our behalf? When we look at his life, his death, and his resurrection, what sets him apart from the high priest in the Old Testament, the high priest could do all the sacrifices and rituals and then could say, God forgave you. Jesus was the only one with authority to say, you are forgiven. It was Jesus in his life and especially his death on the cross where he brings all of these themes together, offers his own lifeblood, his pierce for our transgressions when he says it's finished. It's that final confession from our great high priest that all is paid for. Not just this one time, this one year, but eternally. My death, my per perfect life and sacrifice is enough for everyone, for all time. Jesus is our great high priest. He, his cross is a reminder of his fulfillment of the system that was established, the fulfillment of what God had purposed all along. It's Jesus who unleashes God's presence into the world, even as he's on that cross he says it is finished and his sacrifice is completed. If you remember in the temple at that time, behind the curtain, the Holy of Holies where God's presence was, it was split and the presence of God scattered throughout the world, filling the whole world. Jesus is our only high priest that could accomplish all of that. And aren't you thankful that he did? Amen. Amen. Yes. So what does it mean then for us to experience him in a deeper way? Well, number one there, I think it's just that we receive him as our high priest. He has done all of this, and it is true, and it gives us forgiveness, and it gives us purpose in life and access to God's presence. But unless I receive it personally, I'm still separated. There's still this barrier between me and God. He has provided the greatest gift that any one of us could ever receive but he leaves it up to us in our choice of whether or not we want it for uh, our lives personally. Whether we want forgiveness for our sins and failures, whether we want to accept that there's a loving God that has great purpose 
for us, that he wants to fill us with his spirit so that we can have access to him fully. Now, you go back to that first scripture, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. This is what the writer was so excited about. Therefore, we have a great high priest. He's ascended into heaven. He rose from the, the dead. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess and let us approach God's throne of grace, the very presence of God, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's our great high priest. He was on earth and he still is in heaven. In Hebrews 7.25, he says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. There is no mistake that he won't say, God, forgive them, if you confess it to him and ask for his forgiveness. There's no need or burden that we have that falls on deaf ears when we pray to God. Because Jesus sits right beside God saying, hear their prayer. Provide for your children. Salvation comes through our great high priest alone. And just the encouragement for us, if you've already accepted that, to know that Jesus is sitting right there beside God, interceding for us, doing the work for us constantly. So cool that we get to experience him that, in that way. Lastly, as we wrap up today, how do I accept him more fully in my life? Well, I think we, we do that by realizing our identity, your identity, my identity, in the royal priesthood. Again, we don't have a whole lot of time to go into this, but this is kind of how the whole circle or a story of scripture goes right back. The redemption for us to, to live as God's image bearers, to live on purpose and to, to care for what he's given us we know through Jesus we're restored to that identity. And in 1 Peter, he says it this way. He said, you're a chosen people. If you've accepted Christ, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare with praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I mean, think about that. Do you see yourself as that, an image bearer of God? working alongside God, a mediator, an intercessor for this world to see God's purpose fulfilled, his mission fulfilled in this world. One final scripture here in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, it kind of wraps up all this imagery and gives us one final charge. It says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good de deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So rich that through Jesus as our great high priest, we have access to God's presence anywhere and everywhere through the confession of him. But notice there, the caution 
the writer of Hebrews. Don't give up gathering as some have done. You might hear this and say, okay, if I can access God's presence anywhere and everywhere, what are we still doing here? Do we need this gathering, the weekly corporate worship? And oh, we do, because we know God descends together with us as we gather corporately for worship in a special way that doesn't come just individually. I was thinking about that just as, as God descended on that tabernacle in the Old Testament through a cloud or fire, what if my weekly expectation of coming into this place was seeing God's presence come from heaven and fill this room? What if I expected to touch heaven as that we came together to sing about who God was? What if I had a confidence that as I brought my needs before him, they were going right to the throne room of God because God came down to meet me here. I had Nick put together just this visual of kind of expecting what, what if every week God descended from the heavens down to Brandywine Community Church? His presence filling this place. Would it change what I thought about worship? Would it change the heart I brought into worship? The expectation to experience God in the most holy of places through the forgiveness of sin. What if we collectively, as we came together, expected heaven to come down and expected our praise to go right up to the throne room of God because Jesus is right there interceding for us? And not just that. What if we came, became a spiritual hotspot here at this church for our community where God's presence would dwell and then in our own home to think about his presence descending even on my own home is what I've been dwelling on all week. What if his presence came to my house every day to fill it so it felt like a touch of heaven, to show me his purpose for my life, to fill me with his spirit and empower me to do the things that he's calling me to do, and most importantly, to encourage me to be an intercessor, a royal priest for my neighbors right around me who don't know him who are far from him? What if my home became that hot spot for God's presence so those who are far from God might come close? And as they engage in conversation with me, they might experience God's grace in some way. As they even come close to my house, they might come into his presence in some way. What would it look like for us to carry this idea of being a mediator, a representative of God to my home, my neighborhood, my workplace, my family? I think that is one of the encouragement that we find here in Hebrews. Don't keep this for yourself. It's great to have a personal high priest and to receive that salvation personally, but it is not meant to stop with you. It's meant to be used by God through you to help save and redeem a world that is far from him. And so collectively, we can take that passion, that excitement, that mantle of being a priest, and live it out in our everyday lives. And so as we transition here to, to wrap up our time together, we're going to pray, and I just want to know what, what is your next step in experiencing or accepting Jesus as your high priest. There are some here to do, today who feel distant from God. You know that you've never come into that relationship with God through Jesus. And even sitting here today, you felt his presence in a way that you never have before. It's God telling you he wants to come close to you. He wants to fill you with purpose and love. 
There's some of us today who just re need reminded of the privilege we have to access God's heavenly throne anytime through Jesus. The confidence we have that every burden, every trial, every need, every desire we have, we can lay before his throne in prayer and expect his response. So whatever it is, let's just pause for prayer and ask God to show us that and help us take it. And as we pray, I invite our leaders to come and prepare communion. Loving God, we thank you so much for this privilege. Lord, even to call upon you in prayer, we know that only works because Jesus, our great high priest, gave us access to it. And so God, as we commune with you, we talk to you even right now, we know our prayer is going up to the very throne room of heaven. God, we are so grateful for that. Lord, there's some of us today who have never experienced your grace and forgiveness, your salvation. And God, I know your desire is that you would come close to us and we would draw close to you. So those who need to take that step to experience and accept your forgiveness in their life and to be brought into the family of God, I pray right now they would just in faith say, yes, God, that's me. I need that. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Give me purpose and identity in your family. Lord, for so many of us, we've walked with you for a long time, and sometimes we lose the wonder and the awe of the privilege we have through Christ to experience your presence. Lord, not being limited to just one time a year, one day a year, but any time, any place, because what you did for us as our great high priest and what you continue to do for us as you mediate for us, you intercede for our needs. God, may we walk with gratitude each and every day. And God, may we see ourselves in that way, a priest bearing your name and your mission to this world, dependent on you for our forgiveness and our grace and the power to carry that out. God, may we be a, a hot spot of your presence here in our community, as a church, in our neighborhoods, each and every one of us in our home. Oh, we thank you for that. So God, we praise you that Jesus is our high priest. We confess that. We encourage one another in that. We spur each other on to good deeds and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I just want to encourage you, if you made that decision to accept Jesus, or if you'd like to just talk about what that means, uh, see Jeff back there at our yes table. Nick's going to come and introduce communion for us so we can close our time with that.